Welcome to the Sooner Surge, a podcast from SurgeSportsNetwork.com. Here is the entire Sooner Surge team. Brody, Hunter, Jason, Jackson, Jeremy, and Traber. He tells it like it is, and I'm going to tell you like it is right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Sooner Surge as we have the whole crew here tonight. And we're going to start it out on the diamond tonight, guys, with softball. Obviously, another World Series trip for the Sooners. Uh, tough kind of super regional there. Uh, great game yesterday, the way they came back from behind. I know we talked about in the softball pod, but, guys, let's get Hunter, maybe Hunter and Brody. You know, we didn't get your thoughts yesterday, so just kind of tell us your thoughts, guys. Yeah, it's really – I mean, what else can you expect? Uh, I wasn't able to watch the – game-tying home run from Kenzie Hansen as I was in the parking lot getting ready to go into work. But uh, Chris Plank covered it perfectly on the radio. Literally says Kenzie can send it into a frenzy. And then next thing you know, on the 0-2 pitch, she goes yard to tie it up. It's just like this is starting to become like if this team wins the national championship, like they could really be considered the greatest team of all time in any sport. But what they have done is unprecedented. It probably will never be done again. And it's been this way for the past three years now. Hey, and I, I don't, we didn't talk about it on our video yesterday either, but I'm sure y'all saw the stat going on out there, out there about the streaks, the win streaks, and how OU has like four of them since like 2004, the top 10. And, yeah. and they've all within the last four years. I mean, it's just. And, and I believe all of OU streaks are above 40 as well. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just insane. Dynasty. Brody, what about you? Any thought any thoughts to add to that? I mean, there's not much more to add to it. It's like OU softball is is inevitable. Like you can be up down to the final strike and it's the game's still not over. And I think once uh Kenzie Hansen hit the three run uh home run, everyone kind of knew the game was over, even though it was a tie game. Yeah, and I think I also think that we all saw the post-game conference with Kenzie Hansen, all the great quotes she had. But the quote that stood out to me, and that goes back to what you said, uh, Brody, and Hunter both, is how Alyssa Brito told Hansen that there's two strikes. You're not done yet. And so that, and so I'm sure that gave Hansen maybe some more motivation, even though she knew that she wasn't done yet. But it just shows, like, everything this team has in them. It's not just – talent it's leadership it's culture it's really everything that separates them from the rest and again the thing watching it it's so impressive there's so many things impressive about watching the team but when they tie the game okay they were they were the visiting team here and they had to go a couple of innings of really going through the lineup again and Jordy Ball like like they just never succumb to the pressure to the moment they're always calm because I think what was maybe what Hanson did was the most impressive thing, but being able to have the tie game and then go in and make defensive plays when they needed them in the next part of the inning to strike out Cagle when Ball struck her out. There were so many things that they had to still battle for a couple of innings before they took the lead on Tiari Jennings. Absolute bomb. That thing's still traveling. Hey, I mean, and the Cagle-Ball matchup was just unreal. Great. It was a that great was for the high. Hey. And I think it's time to put to bed. We've talked about this all year long on this pod, on the softball videos, when you have Mays, Tarako, and Ball. The, ball's the one. Ball is the ball is the one. Okay. That's, that's the one. Ball on the mound. 
No, yep. I mean, May and Straka are good pitchers, but Ball wants that ball in that situation. And she showed it yesterday. Like, she just closed the door, guys. To me, she's – I mean, she's the – kind of the, the picture you want in her hands. And I think that I think going into as we move on to the World Series now, you know, there's some interesting matchups that could that could take place. Tennessee um, guys. You well, got Tennessee or Alabama the, the, you know if you, oh. you know you beat Stanford then you got Tennessee Alabama and then Utah and OSU on the bottom half of that bracket. Uh both of them are interesting, especially Utah well, with the you ties. Also can't forget about Florida State because OU only beat them by one run at home earlier in the year. Oh, and it's going to be this, this, and Tennessee are two of the hottest teams in the country, along with OU. I, I mm-hmm. think it's the best uh, field in the World Series that we've seen in years. Now, I know people would say, "Well, UCLA's not there," and and other teams are upset, but just some hot teams coming in here right now. And there's a lot of interesting things. All the Gasos will be there <laughs> in Oklahoma City. And well, I, you, yeah. you know that they are super college softball, super happy. That Fouts made it in. You know yes. what I mean? I, there for a minute, I didn't think they were going to get in, but they pulled it out in that game three. Well, that's huge. Yeah, it's like for me as a college softball fan, it's good to see that Montana Fouts is healthy because she's one of the best players in the game, and I respect her as a player. And I would like to see o- OU get hey, to compete against Montana Fouts. Let me ask y'all this: Out of these teams, who would be the most intriguing as far as the final game? Final series matchup for OU in your opinion, Florida State. Really, it's it's Utah. I I, I would oh because of the storyline. Yeah, I mean it would be Utah or Tennessee if you want the storylines. You also have OSU that could be very interesting as Bedlam. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of those matchups would be great, and you have Fouts. Who wouldn't want to see Fouts versus OU? I mean, guys. Hey. Some great magic there. You Just must that. love OSU softball because you even predicted them to beat OU a couple weeks ago. Now you're How's saying – How's that prediction going for you, Jay? Well, they were up 2 nothing in the seventh. That was another come-from-high victory by OU there. Jay, how's that prediction going for you? Okay. I, I, hey, I, how was the wrong. prediction yesterday that well, uh, we weren't even going to make it to Oklahoma City? No, that is not true. That is not the words in my mouth. No. We're going to lose here, and we might lose. But, but, to be fair, y'all are bringing up Jay and Oklahoma State. I picked Oklahoma State to play Oklahoma in the national championship. I've said that multiple times, and I still think it's going to happen. Hey, which take was worse? The game is over, or Nicole May sucks in the College World Series yesterday? Yeah. Hey, first off, Brody, why don't you before you speak get the words right of what was actually nobody said Nicole May sucks. No one said Nicole May. Didn't Jackson say that in the text thread? No, nobody said that. Hey, Brody, Brody, you better be careful on text threads because of all the recruiting stuff when we get to it later. Yep. Uh Let's just not go down that road. Hey, hey, I I did say, and I said this on our softball video if y'all would have watched it. That I I said I thought yesterday when they went down seven four the game was over I did not think they would come back they had no momentum that's what was so impressive about it seven unanswered runs they were down seven four I mean the comeback was crazy because I did say and I even said yesterday that you just can't count them out but I did yesterday I I literally thought they weren't going to come back Jay Jay I was telling you on the phone oh you's going to come back and win this game and you were like no 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 I was like hey watch it is the most. Two of the most under 
uh, appreciated really uh, girls from yesterday's win, though, is Kirsten Deal and Riley Boone. I I agree with this. Riley Boone has had so many pivotal hits to lead well, off innings and get off base. It's dude, really you guys, I forgot who tweeted it out, but it was like in all three of OU's comeback wins, yeah, Riley Boone on the leadoff hit. Yeah. yeah, Riley Boone's been so good. And they it's, all have been. Like, uh, I know, like while I was watching the game, whenever Coleman went out with her injury, or that's what you guys said. I brought up the idea that well. You could just move right, Riley Boone. Yeah, she never came out. It just didn't look oh, like a good yeah. thing at all. And it's just one of those terrible moments as, you know, the announcers on ESPN uh, talking about how Jada Coleman's made 179 consecutive starts for the Sooners and then swing in and twist her ankle. It kind of hobbles back to the dugout like right after they say it. You got to love it. Hey, and we could talk. Uh, for three weeks straight with the thesaurus in hand and we wouldn't have enough synonyms to describe uh, this team and just the impressiveness and awesomeness that they displayed. Uh, I say we switch now, guys, to baseball because we are literally on pins and needles about if this team's going to get to go uh, any further if their season is complete. We'll start with Hunter because he covers baseball more than any of us and has been following it probably minute by minute uh, because we've been texting back and forth about who's lost, who's won, and where the Sooners stand. So let's just let Hunter talk a little bit about what's going on with OU and if they even have a, an inkling of a chance at, at having another game. So after the loss to Texas Tech, uh, it really went downhill from there. You got Oklahoma State and former Sooner Ben Abram shuts down the Sooners again. Uh, he had a 9-4 ERA last year with OU, didn't play second half of the season, and now at Oklahoma State, pitched 11 innings against the Sooners, only allowed two runs. It's just crazy how that happens. Aggravating as aggravating can get, and Sooner season might be over because of that. And there was three things we needed starting yesterday to happen. We needed Arizona to lose. They finally lost last night to Oregon in the championship game, so that kind of pushes them out of the bubble, that loss. And then you needed the team's – uh from the smaller conferences like Dallas Baptist, uh, the American Conference, stuff like that, you need those teams that are already going to make the tournament to win the conference championship because there's no – and I'm kind of aggravated on this. On Like, I, I'm all for a Cinderella story, a, a small school making a run at a national championship. Yeah, but the fact that these conferences, like now that the American is going to have two teams in and then – Conference USA is going to have Dallas Baptist and Charlotte in, like, especially in the American. Tulane won 19 games, 19 and 40, and they are going to the tournament. That's the way it is in basketball. That, but that team has no business being there. It, it's there, yes, guarantee one school uh, from each conference. That's fine. But when you're getting two because of that, how like, come Butler – what about Butler in the NCAA tournament when they made the Final Four two years in a row? And I said I have no problem with that. That's a good team, Jay. Yeah, but there's been some Cinderella's like UMKC that was even to the 15th season. Well, you're talking two years ago. Hey, Saint there's Florida one. Gulf Coast. Saint Florida Peter. Gulf Coast. And, and guess what all those teams have in common? Every single one of them. What? They won their conference championships. Mm-hmm. Well, so did Charlotte. But 
Okay, I'm not even I'm not mostly talking about Charlotte. I'm talking about Tulane. That team won 19 games. Yeah. Didn't they, they win were, their conference tournament? They've won 19 games. They've they won, won their tournament. They've won, they won it's the same in basketball. No, that's, Jay, you're the one saying they no, need to change it. You're no, listen. That that, earlier. That's what I'm getting ready to say, Hunter. My opinion is they need to change right now. You gotta let those teams in, but they need to change the conference tournaments, I think, in baseball. And here's why, in my opinion. Because if you're a team that's already in a good spot, you could rest your pitchers. You don't see people doing that in conference tournaments in basketball because you don't want to, like, be on a slow momentum going into the tournament. It's different from baseball. You can just rest your starters, your best two pitchers, and say, we want them strong for the, the region. So there's no momentum in baseball? There is, Hunter, but I'm just saying it's, it's so pitcher-driven. You know it is, too. Well, yeah, but to flat out say like, "Oh, yeah, we're just gonna not try." We're gonna. I'm not saying not here try. And lose, I'm not saying you know, not try. There are teams that may the rest them though. I'm not saying not try, Hunter. That's not what I said. I, I'm just. I'm tired. I, it's aggravating that a 19 win team is gonna make the. Uh, I agree, Hunter. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter though. Okay. OU has not. OU good choked enough. it. That's what killed. No, they choked. What's aggravating is Skip Johnson's decisions a lot of times. And, and yes, that was bad. That Dalfit was a head scratcher at first, a risky move, and it worked out uh, in the eighth inning. And then in the ninth, you got to, at the bare minimum, have a mound visit there. Uh, they strung out four hits in a row off of them. Dalfit's, yeah, uh, where was Skip? How how is how is no one going to the mound there? That's what I, I'm saying. Skip is, know, but he makes some very questionable decisions. And a lot of it is, is I think he's still, granted, I. It's not necessarily correct, but he's kind of – he was used to last year. He had three future MLB starters in that rotation. Totally different team last year. I agree. And, and yes, and now strong. you look at the pitching staff this year, there's only one guy I can see getting drafted, and he might not even get drafted, and that's Braden Carmichael. Well, you can't Everyone else say – Everyone cannot see them getting drafted after this year. Well, and you can't say the bats haven't been good down the stretch. They've kind of – caught fire a little bit and they heat it up but when you're when you can't close out a game up nine whatever it was against texas tech that's well it the errors up, had a lot to it do was up five but well, i hope i hope they can get in but we know that next year and the year after our two years probably we're going to be a lot better uh moving forward because they got some core they got a good core uh, of players but i'd like to see them you know, get in there and try to upset someone at least with Carmichael one day. Twenty twenty-four, I would expect them to improve, but twenty twenty-five are going to the SEC. Yeah, the SEC, the one positive in there is I don't know how many SEC teams are gonna make it. I can look, but I think it's like eleven. There's eight out of sixteen hosts are SEC teams this year. So that there is an SEC bias, but it's because of the best conference in baseball there. Uh, is Skip the guy? Is Skip the guy? Yeah, to get absolutely. In the SEC? I don't know. Yeah, he is. Still up in the air. He is. He took him to the national championship last year. He's shown it time and time again. He can do it. It's just a matter of uh, this team was – Cupboard was bare. Like, you lose 11 guys, you lose your entire weekend rotation. Like, unless you're the Tennessee's, the LSU, the Floridas of the world, you cannot have a one-year turnaround after that. You can't hey, Hunter, it's important. Hunter, who is – give me the three three to four teams that are vying for the last two spots, in your opinion. 
see the the problem with it now is two of the spots are now gone. So okay, so who, but give me three teams. Who's in between then for the okay, last spot? So for the Big Twelve, for the last spot in the Big Twelve is OU and Kansas State. OU should go ahead of Kansas State. They, I think they should, but the what and. I like this so far from what we see from what's been released as of tonight, Sunday night. They released the 16 host sites. 15 out of the 16 were in the top 16 in RPI. So it shows that they care about RPI. And if that's the case, OU has the advantage there. Kansas State's RPI is awful, and I don't want to Is there no hear. other team besides OU and K-State? K-State swept them. For, for Big 12. I'm saying the last spot in the Big 12. That is true. OU and K-State are both on that bubble right They there. did sweep K- OU. K-State swept OU and didn't they have a better conference record? Yes, they did, but that was Dakota Harris was out. Uh, I guess you can take that sweep like with a lot, but uh, non-conference matters. And when your RPIs in the 90s and non-conference, uh, maybe you should just schedule better opponents and not blame uh, regional uh, where you are located as a reasoning behind my, that. Because my OU hope is still scheduled Dallas Baptist twice. That's a top 25 team in the country. They have been most of the year. They scheduled the series with Stanford, scheduled Gonzaga. Like, they attempted to have a really good non-conference schedule, and they actually did. They had ORU. They swept ORU. Oh, ORU is going to be the four seed in Stillwater most likely, which I think that – that's uh, Oklahoma State's on upset alert, in my opinion. ORU is a really good team, and ORU has be, uh, swept Oklahoma State this year two games. Hey, Hunter, th- this would be my question: If they were to get into the NCAA tournament, what would the realistic expectations be for them in the tournament? Uh, it depends on how far starting pitching can go. Like, with Carmichael, if he can go seven innings, there's a very good chance they're going to win. If he goes nine, they're going to win. He's 7-0 and on the year. Uh, so that's the biggest thing is once your starter's pulled, what are you going to get from the bullpen? Because some nights it's great. We've seen Will Karsten strike out Texas over and over again in that three-game sweep. We've seen Carter Campbell win pitcher of the week in the Big 12. And then we've also seen them come in and they get lit up there. They just can't find the zone. They can't get out. They can't get a put-away pitch. And it's just – so that – What that, time is the show tomorrow? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. on ESPN2. The bracket will be revealed. Uh, I'm sure the committee's still going at it right now because it, it is a lot more interesting than it was going to be with now these two well, auto bids that were teams that were not going to get in. For, for everyone watching – That's what like, I was going to – at this moment, what would the percentage chance that they get in be, you think? Um, are, you, are you asking Hunter or all of us? I, I would say less than five. I, I'm not feeling confident wow. at all. Wow. Like it, Less than five. I, I'm going to say 25% there. I say 50-50. Really? Right? Yeah. That, I'm with Jay. I'll go like 50 It's just those two auto bids hurt. If those, if those two games would have went our way, I would be – a lot more yeah, confident but, that the only way we don't get in is because they choose K-State over. Yeah, but Hunter, you know what You know what I think will go into consideration? I know people say it doesn't because it was the year before, but the run they had last year is, I think, can pay a little bit of a familiar team that just made a run. I think okay. it could matter Honestly, a little bit. If the committee is thinking about that, that's just pathetic. They, I, I, I'm it, not well, saying that's not. Here, here's what I would have to ask about the committee. 
I, I don't know much about the baseball committee. You asked me about March Madness committee. I know all the nuances. I know everything they do in that committee. This one is not nearly as publicized. And what, what Brody brought up earlier about the, uh, the sweep by K-State, I would hope, I would hope that the committee does take into consideration that Dakota Harris was not there. If they do that, I think the, the odds are much better for OU. If they don't do that, then, in my yes, opinion, the committee's 100%. not doing their job. So I don't know how how uh, detailed this committee is. That, that's my question. I, I, think, I think the number is, I think we've lost like 12 or 13 games without Dakota Harris, or with Dakota Harris in the lineup. Without him, we lost like nine, something like that. I uh, hope they take that into consideration. And that included a sweep. That included the Baylor series loss. It, it was just a rough time without Dakota Harris because that was just that uh, so, kind of one of the So let me ask this. Team. If OU does not get in, you're saying K-State is the one that K-State's automatically in if OU isn't? I, I, I would think so. I could be wrong on that. They could just say we're only going to take five Big 12 teams. That's definitely – a possibility. I think they're going to take six. I can't see them taking seven. Okay. Any other baseball thing, guys? Well, Oklahoma State, they I, – I don't understand how – I'm surprised they weren't about knocked out of a hosting spot because they got killed tonight in the championship. Yeah, they did. 12-5. He's red hot. Oh, I'm so happy they won. They are red hot. There's only one other team – outside of OU that I wanted to win the Big 12 tournament, and that would have been uh, Kansas. Just yeah, uh, can't stand Oklahoma State. Absolutely cannot stand Texas Tech. Their fans are some of the worst out there on Twitter. Uh, uh, they're also the fans are the worst in person, too. I guess. Yeah. And then uh, Kansas State, that, that team's awful. No respect for them. Oklahoma's baseball fans didn't really – show out this past weekend. It, it never happens. I don't know why you guys are shocked over it. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make they're is I don't get why they're playing it in Dallas. Yeah. What? They're all at the softball game. Yeah, oh, all I know what Brody's doing here. Yeah. It, and it should be back in Oklahoma City. That's what I'm saying. I don't get why you're playing it in Dallas and, like, even the stadium and all that. Like, yeah, it's, I it's feel weird. like they have a better turnout. Wait, why, why, why can you why can you not? There's more Texas schools than there are. No, it used to be in Oklahoma City and they moved it. Yeah, but you're playing at a major league ballpark there. Why do you need to play at a major league ballpark? You can't even fill up a major league ballpark. Why would you play in it? You're playing in a forty thousand AAA stadium. I'd rather have a smaller ballpark that's more filled up in a better environment than a huge ballpark that has ten percent. I agree. I agree, but you don't have to have it in Oklahoma City every year. The fact that it was in Dallas means not, they could do it in Frisco, where that where where Frisco plays. Yeah. I mean, there's more Texas schools in the conference yeah. than Oklahoma. Okay, schools. but you, there is one commonality: is when it was in Oklahoma City, it was sellout crowds every single game. It would have sold out move in Frisco. I don't know if it would have. Oh, I promise. I'm you. I'm telling you, I I could be wrong because the camera doesn't really show you behind the plate and. The bleachers, but 
I think there were some games that there might not have even been a thousand fans there. I it think very if small you crowd. put it in Oklahoma City, it's closer for every Oklahoma fan, Oklahoma State fan, Kansas fan, Kansas State fan, and at the same time, it's not far away from your TCU. Your I Texas. agree, Brody. I agree. I think they just need to move it around year after year, kind of switch it up. I think all and not and not play in the big ballparks. That's okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, All right. If the if there was no roof, uh, we might be having a very different. Oh, uh, we're not going to go down that road. Hey, so let's move on. What are we going to move on to recruiting, guys? Yeah, let's let's hit some recruiting. I know there was some big news just last week with the whole Zadavian Sim thing. Hunter's favorite player, Hunter. Yeah. Get us started uh, on your thoughts about that. Uh, I, I want to start off by thanking Phil Knight uh, for signing the check. Uh, uh, I really, personally, I think OU dodged a bullet there, especially in the fallout of everything following the situation, uh, all the drama associated with it. Uh, but really just going off of watching him play, I don't think he's a top recruit in the country. There's no way. Uh, he can, he, he should be killing 5A competition in Oklahoma, and he's not, unless it's a Tulsa school in the fourth quarter, but. And yeah, the way he the handled stuff, stuff was just very poor. Yeah. Very poor. I, I, yeah, and the stuff we heard was that he basically was committed to OU until the last – until what, like Saturday night, sa- Saturday morning? No, no. Not that anywhere near no. that. He had oh, been – no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying he was telling OU that he was locked in. No. He was committed to Oregon, and he was telling OU – that, oh, Oklahoma still has a good chance here. You guys are still in a great spot. You guys are still in a great yeah, spot. that's what I was saying. All while he's committed to Oregon. Yeah. yeah, he was just two-faced. And the stuff with Todd Bates, like the way that was handled was just very poor on Zadavian Sims and uh, C4 on their part as well, just the way all that was handled. So, yeah. Yeah, with Zadavian Sims, I mean – is he is an in-state kid, so you got to take, like, that, but I don't is know. And also, the thing that drove me the most crazy, Brody and Hunter, I don't know if you can speak on this, but we heard people saying that OU wasn't going to recruit C4 anymore, which I do not believe that is true. I don't know if you guys have heard anything on that. If you were so, OU, knowing the stuff that happened, would you recruit C4? Well, there's been some good I'm, come out of C4. It, too. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say because it, I think things will finally just settle down. Yeah, that, it, that definitely I will tell out. on that situation. It's, just as of right now, emotions are still very, yeah. very high. Rightfully so. Yeah, you can't blame hey, anyone for being upset. Hey, real quick, um, on the Zadavian Sims thing, with, with, this, with the way he's handled it with – him being just like all the other recruits, 18-year-old kids, what makes you think this recruitment's even over? You think he's it's really – It's over for OU because they burned the – I'm not talking about hey. OU. I'm saying, is he really going to go to Oregon? Yes. I don't care where he goes. He's not going to OU. So your, your whole thing with, oh, committed doesn't mean anything is just the most BS I've ever seen. Brody – you, you I agree with like, Jay. Oh, I agree Brody, That's Jay does true. have kind of a point to this because we heard all along that the mom wanted him at OU until he said he was going to Oregon. Now, I don't know anything about Zadamian Sims. I don't know his personal life. I don't have contact with his family. All I can say is stuff that I've heard. 
And 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 in the end, I think the kid is going to have some second thoughts. But I, I don't know if OU is going to want to take him. Uh, oh no, that, he's uh, he's burned the bridge. There's it's certain not. stuff that Oregon can offer that will diminish second thoughts, and that there's also certain stuff that will. I mean, if you're the parents, you could get a check that will change your life for your kid to go play at Oregon. And also, did he only visit Oregon like two times? Is that right? He visited them, I think, two, but they were his most two recent visits or something are, like that. Are you guys implying that? And I don't know. I, I know. I know what Jay's question was, but Brody and Hunter, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm under the uh, assumption that if he were to decommit from Oregon and come back to OU, that OU would be OU has washed their hands of him. Is that not right? right now, Here's yeah. the thing. I can As say- of right now, you're saying that it's still up in the air. They would maybe take him back? I don't think so. And honestly, it might depend when. I think once you get past that uh, champion barbecue, they're gonna, they might be in a situation where, okay, we feel better or really good with other guys that are better than Zadavian Sims. Which, hey. and, and also I think a lot well, of let's, let's get to that Sims then. is going to lean on whether or not what happens with, with Nigel Smith and Joseph Jonier. Because if you land both of those guys, then I don't know how too worried you are about Lanny Sims, but let's say JJA decides to go to Georgia, and then you kind of almost want to push hard for Sims to take and also take Smith because they don't really know who your targets are after that. Because there's not a lot of uh, interior defensive linemen on the level of Zadavian Sims, whether or not you like it. It's oh, matter. There's two that are significantly better than him. Yes, no. Yeah. That's why I'm saying there's not a lot. There's a decent amount. I, I mean, if so, you ask me, I'd say there's about a thousand, but that's just my opinion. So talk about Champion Barbecue then. Let's transition to that. Well, and it's not just the Champion Barbecue. At this point, you got June 9th, which is the weekend before that is setting up to be a very good weekend. And one thing you want, you're talking about interior defensive linemen. David Stone is going to be in town June yep. 9th and June 16th. That's back-to-back weekends, which mm-hmm. I think that tells Oklahoma fans all they need to know about the David Stone situation. And once you, you have Williams Newman. What does that tell me? Nuneri will be in the ninth. OU's trying to get Stone there to help with Nuneri. That yeah. should. Well, Stone's back in Oklahoma for the summer from IMG. And you're in the heart of OV season, and you're going to be here back-to-back weekends. Like, yeah. that's massive. And and I can say that I guarantee you Stone will be up at OU four or five times a summer, and sometimes we don't even know about because I guarantee you he's been up to OU ten plus times. I mean, you can't guarantee anything on recruiting. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I'm just saying that's what I believe. So he's the guy you have to get. Stone's the guy you have to get. Period. End of story. Yep. You got to get Stone. Mm-hmm. You can't have. The thing about Sims that's frustrating is he's an Oklahoma guy. No, well, he's not. He plays football he in Oklahoma, Jay? Hunter. Where's he from? He is in Oklahoma. He is an Oklahoma high he's school He's a Hunter. Football Hunter, he plays high school football in Oklahoma. He's an Jay, Oklahoma agree. When did he move to Oklahoma? I don't care when he moved to Oklahoma, Hunter. Well, he's an Oklahoma recruit. Hunter, where does he play football? A- answer the question first, Jay. I, where does he play football, year, Hunter? What year. Uh, he moved across the border last year. So. Okay, where did he play high school football? 
uh, last year he played at Durant year before. Okay, Durant, let me get my map out. I'm not sure, but I, I believe that's in Oklahoma. Hang on. Let me, yeah, let me, uh, just barely across the border. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, defensive lineman recruit from Oklahoma, Danny, Oko- Danny Okoye. Nah. That's yep. one that still don't know too much about where it's at, but you do know that Oklahoma is back in the race. Um, good sign there. They just they have a lot of guys on their board who are just speaking on like Zadavian. They have a lot of guys on their board who are just like a lot higher on the board than Zadavian Sims. Yeah. And speaking of guys on, on the board, there was a guy that dropped his top five today in Wyatt Gilmore. Um, Brody, I don't – obviously you can speak a lot more than I can, but from everything that I've read or heard on Wyatt Gilmore, is that OU is – is in a solid spot for him. I'm not sure who's the leader there. I've heard uh, maybe Minnesota, but could you speak on that? That I don't. You won't know. I I don't think you'll know much about that until you hear about the other recruitments because Oklahoma plans to take six defensive linemen in the class. If you're looking at it, three edge, three interior, you're gonna take Will Nunnery over Wyatt Gilmore. You're gonna take. Oh. Danny Okoye over Wyatt Gilmore. You're going to take Nigel Smith over Wyatt Gilmore. So, Wyatt Gilmore, I think it's certainly a name to watch, but I don't know. It, it kind of just depends on how things play out on where that goes. Hey, hey, hey pardon, Jay, me, Jay, pardon me. Jay, Jay stop. On. Jay. No, Jay. From now on. Stop. No, no, stop for a second because I've kind of been on your side with the whole recruiting thing, but really, the more I – and I, I last year we'd have our podcast and I – I would say things like, I just can't know until they commit. But here's what I've, I've realized about this whole recruiting thing. Like what they said about Stone. The fact that he is coming during the, the kind of peak OV season and he's, mm-hmm. and he's using more of his visits for OU. Instead of saying, and, and what you're wanting to hear, Jay, is that he's going to commit right now and it's 100%. No, it's never 100% until they sign. Everyone knows that. But yep. when you say it's like a race and OU is in the lead – and you start looking at it like that, I think that's a better way of, of trying to understand the whole thing. I know you're sitting there like, ah, oh, just like no, when he because talk- I heard Jackson say it, and I've heard other people say it, and it bothers me. And I think what I'm going to do is when we talk about recruiting, I'm going to turn my camera off, and I'm going to go get something to eat, and then I'll come back when recruiting's over because I can be that guy on my lawn, the old guy on his lawn, because when I hear stuff like, oh, he's in a solid spot. Oh, he's in a solid spot. There, oh, you's a top brand powerhouse blue blood in college football. I would hope they're in a solid spot with most players. Am okay, I right? Jay, Jay, am I that, right? Jay, no, yeah, you are not right. right. You cannot use that debate because a lot of kids don't want to come to Oklahoma, don't even have an interest in OU. Like when you talk about it's not OU even that. The top five. When people, Florida, when these, they look at Alabama and Georgia and places like that. Hey, Jackson, when these people drop their top five, OU's in, in a lot of them. Okay, I think, Jay. I think Jay. you don't have a clear understanding of what the term in the lead means because no, he doesn't. Or, That's not in, in the lead. when I say OU's in a good no spot, no, no, no. vocabulary, bro. Or when I say OU's in a good said, spot, I don't think you know what that means. I actually do not like define in a good spot, Brody. Define in a good spot. In a good spot, that and obviously in recruiting, things can change so easily, especially here in you know May when uh, official visit season is coming up. When you use the term lead. Okay, that can change in one day. Oh, yeah. In a good spot, the OU feels yeah. good about where they're at with the. But dude. they're in a good spot with everybody. That no. is not true. Jay. Oh, that look, is not true. With most people. Jay, Jay look you at know, AJA this past weekend. 
it goes from OU's the clear leader, and he goes on that OV to Georgia, and he's the near leader. Exactly. And I don't put much stock into that. I, I don't either. I'm just so, saying. Definitely when you're, that, that's that's when you're playing with Georgia, things do change. I think hey, – Hey, hey, Hunter, real quick, being a quote-unquote leader or competing for the top, we saw the same thing with williams uh, Winery. What he said about Texas A&M, I don't believe that for a second. Okay, Jackson. I, no, Jackson, listen. Winery and A&M listen. is not going to be a thing because uh, the head coach at Lee Summit, yes. Isaiah Mo, or it's Mosey, he actually played at, he played at OU, and he is he's been very firm in saying, you know, he's pushing kids away from Texas A and M. That he's been very big on that. So okay. I wouldn't even put much into that. And like, go ahead and call me out. Anytime these national recruiting guy, anytime you talk to a recruit, and you ask him about a school, a school like Texas A and M with Lunari, he's not gonna say bad things about it. Like he's gonna say I, good things about. I it. I know, but listen. What Hunter just said about the Georgia thing, what Jackson says, what everybody says, and this is my point, is y'all say, well, he went and visited Georgia, and now he feels like they're up. But if I were to ask you, is OU still in a good spot, you would say yes. Would you not? Yes. yes. Are they in as good of a good spot? Change. No, it doesn't matter. Are they in as good of a spot? It doesn't matter. All you hear is how kids talk about certain schools. That's all I'll say. One thing I will say about one thing we can take to the bank is this. Brent Venables has shown that he would prefer the early them to commit early. And he, he's made no bones about it. So I think, you know, with the guy who went on, who was the guy that went to in a visit? Lane Jenkins. Uh, Lane Jenkins decided to mess around and he found out. What I'm saying is what, what Venables is doing. I think I give kudos to him. Agree. Because he could change. He could change this and how guys maybe commit early and stick to their promises. He's yes. a word guy. You, you say it, you do it. Yes, and who and who he, were the two commits last year to take visits elsewhere? They both ended up different places. When you bring up the point committing doesn't matter, I think you look at it. It how does look at it. It matters a lot. Now, for a school that may let people take OBs, it may not mean as much. But and it may hurt Venables in the long run. It may uh-huh. hurt him, but he, he's not going to adjust his character and his beliefs and his culture for some prima donna or whatever. He's just not going to do it. And right. I think that's the guy you want at the yeah. home in the long yeah. run. Well, and, and he had a quote the other day. He said, if a kid has a crazy recruitment, they'll also be crazy in the locker room or whatever. He said that. So right. yeah, I, I am glad Bowen. I am glad Bowen. I don't think that uh, one was – I said for a long time is you recruit your problems. That's true. If you recruit a kid that's not good in the locker room, uh, if he doesn't make good grades in school, what's he going to do at OU? And speaking of a kid that wasn't able to get to campus and Keon Brown and Brody, I've heard that maybe OU could take a fourth wide receiver. I don't know how true that is. With them hosting Terry Bussey on an OV, uh, they're recruiting him out, out wide receiver, but I don't really know where OU stands there. Let's talk uh, real quick about uh, – we were talking about text threads earlier, and we had one going last week or two weeks ago about Petway. And I know, I know, Brody, you seem to think he's getting on the field this year. Like, like not just getting on the field, like maybe starting at some point. Uh, yeah. this, the, the wide receiver position, if we're going to just talk about one position tonight, let's just talk about the wide receiver room. Yeah. Because it to me, it is the most – Interesting uh, 
confusing. It's like a game of clue who it's going to be as far as who's going to be out there, maybe the third or fourth spot. Because I see the locks as, obviously, Farouk and Stoops. Every, everything else is up in there. Everything and, else is up in the air. And, and the, the additions that they've gotten with Brennan Thompson, okay, he, he adds something that, like, I don't see Petway getting in over Thompson. Well, I see and, Thompson as maybe that guy. And, and let, me, really, let me talk about Petway on how I felt about it. But then, like, you bring up the up in the air, like, even a guy like Jaden Gibson, I wouldn't write him off as being a guy who could start. Yeah, he's not, he's been struggling to catch the ball but maybe he catches two passes in that spring game and we would all be on here talking way different about Jaden Gibson than we would have been before. And we'd be like, oh, Jaden Gibson is going to be the guy at receiver. Two passes that he dropped, if he would have caught those, it would have been a different narrative. So if he can fix that up, I think he'll be in there as well. There's just a lot of guys like Andrew Anthony, LV Bunkley, Shelton, Gavin Freeman, Nick Anderson, J.J. Hester. There's so, if he can many. Be There's so many. And the thing about Jaquez Petaway, I, I really think he's going to play a lot. For this team, I think he'll be a top six receiver on this team, and I could see him starting. And you haven't heard any buzz about it because he's not on campus yet. And if there's any position where you can get on campus early and play early, I think it's receiver. Um, he has the speed. He has the tools. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a big impact on this team. I really think he has the chance. Like, what separates him and anyone, anyone else in that room? There's nobody else in that room besides Zillow Farouk and Drake Stoops that's really proven themselves. So why can't – They like, had a chance to, Brody. But why can't Petaway come in – Anthony did pretty good at Michigan, stuff? right, Anthony? Uh, he he was didn't a, do much at Michigan. 2021, he was pretty good. Well, I mean, he, he's Jeremy, played college ball before. Why can't Petaway come in and be a huge impact? I'm not saying he can't. I just don't foresee it with, with the, 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 the stable that's full that they have. And you mentioned the guy Gibson. There, there's one thing we know about Gibson. Dude can get open, which sometimes that's a problem at OU. They got guys who just weren't able to get open. We know he can get open. If he can catch the ball, he's a game changer. And, and then you got Nick Anderson, who if he can Physical. be healthy, that's another one. Jeremy calls him a Greek god. If he can get healthy, he'd be one. And they really he's like him. Lamb type. Hey, you haven't even mentioned Graham, though. Graham's the kind of the wild card in my mind. He is a wild card. And that one's – Interesting. He had a good spring game performance. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Like he mentioned it. He said if he can do a couple more things, he thinks he'll be able to start and run with the wands. But that'll be interesting. Then you look at like LV Bunkley Shelton. The staff really likes him a lot. So it's interesting what they do there. Gavin Freeman is someone who is like very reliable. You can tell because anytime the QBs in that spring game would get pressured, they're looking for Freeman. They're dumping it off to Freeman. But yeah, the receiver room. There is a lot of guys who can produce, but there's no one that has proven themselves enough for me to be like, well, that's a guy that Petaway can't beat out. That That's a guy that Petaway is not going to come in and play over. There's no one in there like that except for Farouk and Stoops. So, Brody, give me your way too early how, prediction. How many 1,000-yard receivers does OU have this year? One. Okay. I, I can agree with Farouk. you. Farouk. Me, me, I'm going to say zero. That's crazy. I can believe that, too. I, I, I would really believe that, too. I believe that it's going to be more of a rotation this year, and they're going to spread the wealth. And and I know OU's been more successful in the past whenever they've had this 1,000-yard receiver. But also, I think that on this year's team, maybe with other guys, 
maybe with there not a clear wide receiver one, obviously Jaleel Farouk has the ability to be a wide receiver one, but he hasn't shown us that he can be that yet. Well, if OU's offense wants to reach their potential, Jaleel Farouk is going to have to be the clear wide receiver one, your clear go-to guy, and I think everyone knows he can do that, especially after that Alamo game, Alamo Bowl. Uh, a while ago, everyone was kind of like, oh, Farouk, he's going to be – like, we all know he has the ability, and I certainly think he'll be able to do it. Hey, it, you, who was it that said zero, Jackson? Yeah. Hey, listen, if, if OU does not have a 1,000-yard receiver, this team's going to have a couple of losses. I'll promise you that. No, oh, actually, I actually – They're not so undefeated anyway. I would bet that. Can I, Jay. Can I finish? Yeah, can finish, I finish and then – yeah, my reasoning is with Dylan Gabriel as the quarterback, he goes to that first receiver very often, and if Which that def- first re- what? Well, well, even if Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback, did you yeah. listen to what Jackson said? He said it would be because we're rotating people, which is a real possibility this year. Right. What, what, I'm is, I, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, Jay. Jay, I agree. Gabriel goes to his first read a lot. But what I'm saying is, if he has progressed, which I hope he has because of the pressure put on by Arnold, or maybe Arnold's a guy midseason. I mean, you got Farouk, Stoops, and a guy that has not been mentioned in Austin, Stogner, who's going to get a lot of throws oh, as well. Stogner, yes. And I right? think Sawchuck will be a factor out of the backfield. And so, so I think there's going to be a lot of spreading the wealth. I just don't see a thousand yard receiver on this team. Who led the team in receiving last year and how many Ooh. yards? Mims, how many yards? Probably had like one thousand three hundred, maybe. Yeah, like thirteen hundred. Yeah, no, I don't think was he a one thousand yard receiver. Yeah, I'm almost positive. I'll pull it up. I thought he was like nine twenty, but huh? Yeah, I don't know. One thousand and eighty three last year. So he barely got over it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, I and Mims could have easily had like one thousand four hundred. He just dropped some wide open balls a couple times, and that I mean, contributed to losses last year too. And and it's just like I don't know if you guys uh, listened to JD Pakel at all, but he had a great point and said that OU was five plays away from being ten and two last year. Yeah, That's and about four of those plays are on the quarterback. And Jerry drop passes too. That's Jerry mentioned it earlier about I'm like so Arnold. tired of this argument about Dylan Gabriel because I'm when not arguing. I'm stating facts about last year. And if you want to state another fact, let's just go around here. And I'm just going to say this: If Jackson Arnold starts one game, who believes that he would not start the rest of the games? Does anyone believe that? If he starts one, he's the guy. That's what I'm. Does anyone disagree with that statement? No. Okay, the next, that, the next if, fact if I'm going to present you with, and I'm not, and I definitely hope this is not the case. I hope that he can stay healthy. But yeah. when was the last time Dylan Gabriel freshman year every single game in a season? I just think it was his freshman year. I think it was. I don't even think he did it that year. Oh. He's well. never been fully healthy throughout a year, and I really hope he could stay healthy. But I think if he does go down. I don't see a I don't see a world where Jackson Arnold is going to hand that spot back to him. I think he takes it and he runs with it. And yeah, I agree. I think that if Jackson Arnold gets the spot, he's going to take it. It's going to be his job. But also, Jackson Arnold as, as a freshman will probably struggle mightily at points in certain stre- stretches and games. We saw it with Caleb Williams. So don't give me that look, Hunter. And Caleb Williams is 
debatably the most talented quarterback of the 21st century. Why do we have to compare Caleb Williams and Jackson Arnold all the time? We're not. What do you mean? I've never just compared them. I don't compare all the time. I don't know. I'm point. not saying you, but a lot of people do compare. Yeah, so, and it's it's also not fair to compare the Rattler and, and Williams situation to this one. That's not really, no. But you can't say because Caleb Williams struggled, that means that Jackson Arnold's going to struggle a lot. I do think Arnold would struggle a lot if he started. All freshmen hey, struggle. All you can't compare struggle. Rattler and Caleb to this, and I'll tell you why. Rattler said, was a highly touted. Five star, but he's four star guy. He was way more talented than Dylan. Five. It's actually, it's actually way more likely that they're going to be booing Gabriel than it was that they booed Spencer Rattler, who was him coming into OU. Spencer was Rattler guy. was getting booed when he didn't lose a single game at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If Gabriel and makes, you, you were one of them booing probably. Who no, I wasn't. Hey, Hunter, I wasn't. Oh, I was a big. I was a huge Rattler fan. Same. I, I, I like him too. But I did boo. I was uh, in the We Want Caleb movement. Well, I do think that Rattler is going to have an amazing year at South Carolina. That's I do too. Hey, as we uh, as we transition the Caleb, the Caleb kind of can transition into Jaron. I know you wanted to do top five, maybe your or your best Sooner Magic moment. Uh, I mean, the Caleb Williams Texas game could be up there. That has to be up. There. Okay, so yeah, and, and, and here. We got six of us on here, six of us on here, and I'll, I'll go ahead and start because I'm just gonna start it. Okay, and I know a lot of people when they think of Sooner Magic, they it strictly is correlated with Oklahoma football. It's but not. what happened yesterday? What happened yesterday mm. was the perfect illustration of what Sooner Magic is. People that are not Sooner fans don't really understand that mysterious Sooner magic. And what happened yesterday was exactly that. And, of course, it's talent. Of course, it's never stop believing. But we're going to call what happened yesterday Sooner magic with one strike away. On Patty Gasso's freaking birthday, are, are you you can't write a storybook. And, 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 and also the last home game at Marita Hines. Marita Hines Fields closed. And for the record. There. And for the record. It's almost like in and for the record, it's like it's NBA. People are gonna say it's rigged. You can't even make this stuff up. But that was Sooner Magic at its finest. I, I challenge any of you five to come up with one better. I know there's a lot, a lot of others, but let's hear them right now. I'll, I'll go with one. Uh OU Alabama Sugar Bowl. That was uh we had Paul Feinbaum on here earlier this year, and he was the one in the media driving the narrative that uh Alabama is going to win by so much. Oh, you should probably just close down their program. Like it, it's just, uh, it's embarrassing for Oklahoma to be in this game. They have no chance. They're 14 and a half point underdogs. And then Trevor Knight has a game of his life. And it was just a beat down. There's no other way to put it. It was an hour long beat down. Eric Stryker, Jalen Saunders, uh, that just entire team, Sterling Shepard, everyone from the front five to, the secondary, uh, Zach Sanchez with the pick. It, Did that was Gino Grissom game. take a fumble yeah, all the way back? Yeah, score, Gino Grissom. Right. I remember that. And, yeah. and, I mean, I th- I'll go next. For me, this is so tough. But the first game I remember watching Sooner Magic was whenever OU came back versus Tennessee and Knoxville. I mean, that was a great game. We talk about a game 
where it was Sterling Shepard. He had the leap into the end zone in overtime. And that was really kind of whenever the world became familiar with Baker Mayfield. And then there's obviously another game where the nation became a lot more familiar with them. But that's just – the early, that's really the earliest memory I have of OU, so that's what I'll pick. Hey, and then one I, – I got one that could be, but – the Baylor Jalen Hurts comeback was I'd consider that sooner magic. Brody, that was the most I've ever had during a game. Yeah, but here's like a, as far as not football, I would say this could have easily been sooner magic had it counted. Was the Buddy Heald a half court buzzer beater against West Virginia in the 2016 Big 12 tournament where he actually didn't score until like eight minutes left in the second half, and then he almost went down there and, and did won that game. But maybe the Texas one where Buddy Heald hits the buzzer beater. To beat them, that was a great moment. Um, I don't know if you consider that Sooner Magic, but it was huge. The LSU game where Isaiah Cousins hit the dagger in front of Ben Simmons' base, that was a great one too. But, yeah, as far as like Sooner Magic moments, the Tennessee game is one that really comes to mind, as well as the Baylor comeback. And then the OU Texas where Caleb Williams leads him back. I think that one. There's – yeah. yeah, Traver, what hey, about Jay, you? I, Jay, we're a lot older, but uh, we know a lot of older ones. But Jay, Let's yeah, Brody – Brody mentioned basketball. Jay, remember the Ryan Humphrey? Oh, the tip-in? Ryan Humphrey tip-in against Arizona, wasn't it? 13 yeah, 4-13. Four and if you remember, right, Kelvin Sampson hadn't won like an NCAA tournament game. Oh, that, he, that he lost him in Manhattan. Or, yeah, I mean, so that was a huge one. Trey, Ryan Humphrey on one? OU staff right now. He's on yeah. OU staff right and now. He's do, and he's, recru- he's one of the main recruiters on the he staff. Is. Shout Traver. out to Ryan Humphrey. Trey, you got one? Yeah, I have one. So this is – I agree with Brody. I'm on the Baylor one, but the real Sooner Magic in that game was Nick Benito, true freshman, redshirt freshman. I believe he was a redshirt. Yeah. yeah. And so he dropped. He dropped the first pass that came. Yeah. Play before. Then yeah. he redeemed himself and got the game sealing interception. Magic. Just. Hey. Hey. Jay, that was when Nick Jay, Benito was wearing number 35. He wasn't even wearing number yeah, no, That's so yeah. Good. Jay, that, you have to go with your favorite player ever. I'll be disappointed if I don't hear your Sooner Magic with me. It's not what I think. It hey, is. so I have a couple here, but I, here's, here's the deal. <laughs> Did he just breathe? We lost him. Oh, my. Say Sooner Magic. <laughs> We lost you, bro. First off, without their last national championship. Can... We hey, can't... I'm back. Can y'all hear me? <laughs> yeah, now we All can. Right. I can probably tell hey. the moment you were going to say. No, listen. Texas A&M on the road. Torrance Marshall with the interception. Guys, that game was a wild game. And if that doesn't happen, they probably don't win the national championship. Uh, honestly. That was such a huge play. So I have to say that one because that was, you know, I was I was at the prime of me watching all you football. But you cannot mention Sooner Magic. I cannot believe any of y'all. I know y'all are younger, but come on, Sooner Magic was. Oh my! <laughs> what Jay? You have you... Uh, oh my! You <laughs> might need to go up nineteen seventy six. My, my internet's struggling. Hey. <laughs> I said you, you're I you're said, getting listen, ready to define you, what you got to magic was. Yeah, Sooner Magic was born against Nebraska. That's where the term was. I think made up was when they ran two trick plays. I think in 1976 on the last drive. Sooner Magic is not 
a game. Sooner Magic is a few plays of a game, guys, that make a huge difference. And you go back to 1976, and they ran two trick plays. You know, the Torrance Marshall interception. Those, to me, are just Sooner Magic plays. Kenzie Hanson home runs. That's Sooner Magic, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That. Well, I, I can do an impersonation of your soon. Yeah. And then you lag out like every single time you're going to well, go to Speaking but... of sooner uh, magic, too, I mean, Sorry. I'm surprised no one said the game versus Ohio State on the road where it seemed There's like too many to count because it's we can not go a all game. day. Yeah, I mean, it's not a game. You can go May 2015. Sooner magic isn't like, a game, it's a play. It's a moment. It's a moment. Okay. Jackson, what play from the Tennessee game was Sooner Magic? Probably the Sterling Shepard leap, as I said. I, I agree. Tiptoeing, I agree. Yeah. That's what I'd say about that OU Texas basketball game in 2016 when Heald hits the dagger three. I did. That was yeah. a Sooner Magic moment. Yeah, um, agree. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's fair to say we've seen it in the NFL too from Kyle Murray on the Hail Murray. So it carries to NFL players too. Yeah, I, th- I think that wraps it up for everything we have on this edition of the Sooner Surge podcast. Um, if you haven't, go check out Surge Sports Network. Uh, check out our Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that. Uh, you can see here in the ticker below us, it has all the Twitter follows that you guys should go follow all those accounts. Um, our hey, Brody, real Seriously. quick, real yeah. quick. Anybody watching this, I want your comments below Sooner Magic, the play. The play mm-hmm. you f- define Sooner Magic with. And if you are watching this and you haven't yet, make sure you go subscribe to our channel and turn on the notifications. We are having – we're coming at you with different podcasts now with softball. The guys are having softball videos out, like, very quickly after the game, giving their thoughts on the game. Uh, So if you haven't, make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications. That way you get notified anytime we have a new YouTube video or we have a new podcast. Um, I think that wraps it up. Boomer, 